Welcome to Scouting the Culture, a weekly podcast series about the Carolina Panthers and their approach to the 2021 NFL Draft. We are a proud part of the Ride Network, and please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe if you enjoy what we have to say. I am your host, JJ Hardy, and you can find me at Panthers Culture on Twitter. And joining me, as he will be every week, is Vincent Richardson, Managing Editor at the Ride Report. What's up, Vincent? Hi, JJ. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. Quite an exciting week for the Carolina Panthers, man. Yeah. Scott Fitterer and Matt Rue had themselves quite a week. And it got started with a couple of offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, and so they signed Pat Elfline, Cam Irving, and then they went defensive and, and got Denzel Perriman, Hassan Reddick, and Morgan Fox, followed by David Moore, former receiver from the Seattle Seahawks. I'm quite familiar with Scott Fitterer. Rashawn Melvin, um, a veteran cornerback, and then Dan Arnold, a tight end who we're familiar with from the New Orleans Saints and then most recently the Arizona Cardinals. And then the guy that a lot of people don't know, I mean, he could be a camp body, um, and that's Darius Clark, a running back from Newberry College. That's, you know, small school, Division II school, not far from Charlotte, probably about an hour and a half or so away. And so that's the hall. That's who the Panthers signed. What, what do you think about those guys, man? Yeah, I think it, it, it's it's an interesting group. I think it, it's I think Hassan Reddick will probably get the highlights as the probably the, the, the most notable name they signed. Um, I think that overall, though, uh, it's it's a lot of solid pieces rather than sort of any one or two stars, which I think is kind of what we expected from what what they said prior to, to free agency. Um, yeah. I, I think there's also an interesting feature that maybe hasn't been talked a ton about, which is that. Other than um, Hassan Reddick and also uh, Melvin, I think, signed a one-year deal. But the rest of them all signed two- or three-year deals, particularly mm-hmm. two-year deals. And I think that's – the Panthers have a lot of guys who are going into the last year of their, their contracts this year. And I think there, there was a real focus on, on wanting to, to stem the potential sort of change over next offseason as well. Like, I think the thing with a lot of these deals is it gives the Panthers a chance to move on, like, you know, like they did with Weatherly this year or, or – or, you know, you can try a guy out for a year and if, you know, they could release a guy like Dan Arnold, particularly the guys who haven't got that many guarantees, but it, it gives you some security. You're not going to have like 30 free agents again next off season and then a, a whole new rebuild. By by getting some of these two-year deals, you kind of start to allow yourself to piece some things together. So I think as a as an overall building the picture, it's quite a good good free agency group. Um, I'm not sure there's any one guy who you think like, yes, this is, this is, the, this is the piece that gets them over the edge, but I think it's... It's they've added a lot of depth. They've they've checked off a lot of needs. They've still got a few that they probably have to address before the draft. But I think this is a, it's one of those setting yourselves up for the draft through free agency type type pools. I agree with that. You know the name that you mentioned as having probably the most star power of the of the bunch is Hassan Reddick, and I did note that he only signed the one year deal, and I think it was worth up to eight million dollars. Yeah, it's six with two more add-ons. I think yeah. Yeah, which I thought was a bargain in terms of you know, getting the edge guy who had 12 and a half sacks last year um, to be able to get a guy like that for $6 million and, you know, up to $8 million compared to what some of the other edges who had, you know, 10 plus sacks have gotten recently. You know, I look at a guy like Leonard Floyd who played with the Rams last year on a one-year deal. And this year, I think he's getting 16 per, you know, season. I think he signed a four-year, 16 or $64 million contract, 16 per. So to to get a guy like Hassan Reddick, who has similar, you know, 
sack production, if not better sack production for half the cost for a year. I thought that was uh, just quite interesting. And but it's beneficial to the Panthers. It's kind of disappointed that, you know, of all the names that you mentioned, that he was one of the guys who only signed for one year. So yeah, I, I don't know if he's coming to prove it and get a bigger deal next yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is I, I think it's so I think there are there are a few things with Hassan Reddick. I think the first one is that although he's been in the NFL for four years, he's only really played edge for one of those. So yeah. so for three years, the Cardinals try and made him an off-ball linebacker. Not not yeah. sure why, but they did. Um and then in, in year four, they switched back to, to more of like a three, four star scheme, used him as more of that edge guy. And he then had a, a very productive year. Um, yeah, I, I do think his I, I do think his sack production is maybe a little bit um, generous. Like, I don't know. I think he's a, he's a good player and I think he has an impactful kind of, uh, you know, he, he has a lot of good stats as a pass rusher beyond just his sack production. But his sack yeah. production is probably a little bit overstating quite how impactful he, you know, I would not expect him to have 12 and a half sacks next year. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I, I think if he has like eight or nine sacks, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good production for him. Um, I think the one thing with that is that because he's only really played edge for one year, there is a chance he can still develop quite a lot, even though he's four years into his career. Cause yeah. he, you know, you know, he, he, obviously he probably won't be, be, um, he probably w- is not going to be as good right now as he would have been if they spent four years playing him at edge. Um, right. But there's a chance that he gets some of that time back quite quickly, particularly if he's a, he seems like a fairly smart guy. So, you know, and obviously he's worked with Phil Snow and Matt Rule before. So, you know, there's a, I think for him, it kind of serves several purposes. I think, I think there probably weren't going to be a load of teams that were going to give him loads of money, partly because of the cap situation because of COVID and partly because he, he really has had this one year of production. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's quite hard to be, you know, guys get paid off one year of production, but, but teams are a little bit more cautious. And I think, he would have had to have taken less money to get a multi-year deal. And I think what this does is it it gives him a chance to back that up if he has another similar sort of, you know, 12 and a half sack season. Either the Panthers re-sign him long-term as sort of a franchise cornerstone or he goes and gets very big money elsewhere and the Panthers take a third-round pick for their for their troubles. Um, yeah. or, 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 or he has a more mixed season and either the Panthers move on or he signs a more sort of mid-tiered long-term deal kind of thing. Like, I think at the moment he would be hoping to get more than 6 million a year on a long-term deal. And probably teams aren't willing to give him 10, 12 million a year long-term because they just don't, don't trust that he necessarily is going to be able to back that up. So I think a one-year deal for him makes sense. I think the Panthers would probably prefer a two-year deal, but I would understand why he wouldn't want to sign two years, if that makes sense. Like he, he wants to have another good year, go back out on the market and get paid kind of thing. No, I totally get it from a business perspective for, you know, for him, you know, this is a somewhat down year in terms of the cap because of COVID. And because he only had like this one really good year as a edge rusher, um, I can see where he would want to come in and bet on himself again and potentially get a bigger payday next year. I think because Hassan Reddick has always been linked to the Panthers from the time Matt Rule showed up, um, he feels like a guy that should be a Panther as long as Matt Rule is a coach. <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, only because we've been kind of like a, associating um, him with the Panthers because of his history at Temple. You know, we kind of predicted that Matt Rule would go after him in free agency or Scott Fitter would go after him in free agency. Because one thing that, that Matt Rule has demonstrated in his short time here, you know, if not, you know, any coaching prowess is the fact that whoever he is coached, seemingly have a lot of respect for him and and would like to play for him again. And I know yeah. the NFL is a business, but, you know, it's also somewhat of a network. 
Oh, absolutely. And family, you know, so if you have familiarity with a guy like Matt Rule and Matt Rule, at least from what I've gathered, and I've actually talked to people offline who are very familiar with him, uh, very connected to him. And one thing they say about him is that his guys love him. Yeah. And to see a guy like Hassan Reddick, you know, sign with Matt Rule and the Panthers, uh, taking the deal that he took, you know, tells me that he trusts that if I go and play for Matt Rule and Phil Snow, that if I'm betting on myself, I'm betting that I can be successful with them. And so there's a desire to want to keep him. I I think there's also Phil Snow is, I think, a big part of that as well. I think there's a a trust that Phil Snow is going to use him to maximise him, that that he's not... He's got, not going to have this preconception. I think that's one of the issues that the Arizona Cardinals had with him where they had a vision of what they wanted him to be and didn't really adjust for the fact that he wasn't really that guy, that he was that he was he was you know, he was a good player, but he was not the he was not the you know off-ball coverage player they wanted him to be. He was the yeah. line him up on the edge and get after them guy. And I think there's a I think Phil Snow one has demonstrated that he's flexible, but also I think there's a trust there that that he will use him in a way that will benefit him and that he will not try and force him to be somebody who he isn't. Um, yeah. I do think there's, I think we'll kind of get into this as we, as we get close to the draft a little bit more, but I think there's, there's still some questions about what the Panthers defensive front is going to look like in 2021. Yeah. Um, when we spoke to Matt rule, uh, probably 10 days ago now, probably 10 days, two weeks. I mean, I, I did actually ask him about three, four versus four, three then. Um, and he, he was quite insistent. Well, reasonably insistent at least that they were going to stick roughly where they were. I think the Reddick move, does change that a little bit. I think this moves, yeah. they probably play a little bit more 3-4 now. Like, don't worry, I don't think this is going to be a 80% 3-4 defense. Um, right. But I think this this gives them a bit more flexibility in that regard. I think it will also be interesting to see how how they use him in combination with Brian Burns. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, in, you know, in obvious passing situations, you want your best pass rushers on the field, and that will mean Reddick and Burns on the edges, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be interesting to see in more... On, on, in the rest of the time and outside of obvious passing situations, whether they look to try and rotate them a little bit so that you've always got one guy on the field. Um, yeah. I think one thing that is notable is that um, Reddick played a lot of snaps last year, like like a, a lot of snaps. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he would benefit from playing 20 fewer snaps a game and being, you know, 30% more effective in those snaps. Like you'd, you'd rather have him going full pace for 45, 50 snaps a game rather than him being out there for 70 snaps a game and having to sort of take a little bit of off because otherwise he's going to knacker himself kind of thing. No, uh, I got you. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, so I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I would guess, very, very loose guess, but I would guess the aim would be to have Burns and Reddick both play about 70% of the snaps, but for mm-hmm. them to probably only be on the field together for maybe 40% of those, which will be a mixture of, of obvious passing situations, um, but also times when they maybe go to more of a, a, a three-man front. Because um, because both Burns and Reddick can drop into coverage, it's just not the strength of their game. Um, right. So I, I think you maybe get 25% pure 3-4, um, say 15% complete hybrid, where you maybe have like obvious passing situations and 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 you have sort of, you know, pin your ears back type, type setup where you have four DNs on the field. Yeah. And then maybe the remaining 60% is some combination of 3-4 and 4-3, where you probably have one or both of them on the field and you rotate in, rotating guys like, you know, um, Haynes and Miller can also give you some 3-4 looks and you also have the ability to play like 
Gross Matos at the edge, so you could play some, you know, four three with with both Burns and Reddick opposite Gross Matos. And the other thing you can do is kind of like a three and one setup where you have like three down linemen and you have like a stand up edge rusher on the other side. So yeah. it's effectively a four man thrump, but it makes it much easier yeah. to drop a guy into coverage. So I'd expect to see right. some of that where you have like a three and one rather than like a straight four. But uh, but yeah, no, I. I I would be shocked if they went like we're going full three four now. Burns and Reddick are on the field seventy percent of the snaps together all the time. You know, let's you know only play three man fronts. I'd be a bit surprised if they did that, but I think there'll be more pure three man than we saw in in, in twenty twenty. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I think when we see these acquisitions, it's important to have those contextual conversations about how the guys will actually be on the field together because. What happens is we see the Panthers sign someone like Hassan Reddick, and you already know you have Brian Burns um, on the roster, and you're like, okay, oh my God, we're, we're about to go out of here and get 60 or 70 sacks this season. You know, both guys are going to have 15 apiece, and um, they're going to play 100% of the snaps, and you know, we're going to play like we play in, on Madden, the video yeah. game. Yeah. And, uh, but the reality is it may not be that way. And from what I gathered from Phil Snow's defense last year, he's probably going to do a lot of disguising, you know, because, you know, even when they're on the field together, you know, you may, you may not see both guys coming after the quarterback at the same time. You know, you may see a guy, you know, drop back in coverage and the other guy comes and uh, unless it's obvious passing down where they really want to get out the quarterback and, you know, and, and send them both. I just don't think it's going to be as everyone envisions, but I do think um, that he's going to put, both players in positions to succeed. I think, you know, he likes his vers- his versatility because I think the ver- the more versatile they are, um, the more they can do. I think it was a game last year where Brian Burns didn't play. And before the game, Phil Snow mentioned that there would be things that they couldn't do because Brian Burns yeah. wasn't there and because they couldn't disguise and, you know, and do the versatile stuff that he can do. I think now with having a Hassan Reddick on the roster, it gives us the opportunity to continue to do things like that, even if one guy goes down for a game or two. Yeah, um, it, it also allows like you that. to it also allows you to take a little bit of workload off both guys. Like, I mean, this is an argument we've had probably more in the past around McCaffrey, but sometimes yeah. it's better to play your best players seventy percent of the time and have them be you one hundred percent on seventy percent of the snaps than then yeah. be seventy percent on one hundred percent of the snaps. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd rather have it that way around because you have you know, on the D line you are going to rotate and stuff and um. I mean, Brian Burns probably played slightly more snaps than you'd like him to, ideally, um, partly because of injuries. I mean, Gross Matos and Weatherly both went down at points and Nevada had to move to tackle. So it was kind of, you know, they didn't actually have that much option at edge rush last year. I think this year with both guys and Gross Matos and like Miller and Haynes still around and potentially you've also got another guy, you know, Morgan Fox can play some, some probably will play at least, I'd say at least 40% of his snaps at edge as well. Like you've got options, you can move things around, you can do lots of things. And that, and that, that kind of feels very Phil Snow that you've kind of got, you've got a range of, you've got two genuine nose tackles in, in Brown and Roy. You've got two like strong side edges in like Gross Matos and Fox. You've got like, four more like pure edge guys in Burns, Miller, Haynes and and Reddick. What they kind of need now is some legitimate like three techs, um, yeah. which is kind of the thing we'll talk about as we, you know, we get towards the draft and stuff. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they if they make a play for a three tech before the draft as well. But but you know, they're starting to put a combination together of different pieces that you can use in some interesting different ways. And 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 that kind of is, is you know you want you Phil Snow clearly wants to be multiple and wants to be variable. And, and they're in a very good position to do that, barring a couple of pieces right now. 
and I can see that. So we're going to talk about some of those pieces a little bit later on. You mentioned one in Morgan Fox, uh, but switching gears a little bit, you know, let's get back to how free agency started this past weekend. Yeah. The first acquisition that I remember us getting was uh, Pat Eflon. Yeah. Um, a offensive guard slash center um, coming from the Minnesota Vikings and I think played last year with the New York Jets. Yeah. Um, what I know about him is that I think he came out of college as a center. And yeah. His, his first season with the Vikings, I believe, was as a center. And he played decent as a center. But the next year, I think they went out and, and drafted a center. Um, Bradbury, didn't they? Name. Brad, yeah, Bradbury. From and, NC State. And they moved him to guard. And, yeah. you know, I was always, you know, wondering, like, you know, why if you have a, a center, you know, who – you know, play really well and came out of college, I think, as like the Remington Award winner yeah, from Ohio State. And so, you know, after one year, you go back and you get another center um, in Bradbury and kind of move him to left guard. And ever since they moved him to left guard, he hasn't been nowhere near as effective. And so when when they sign him, you know, the first thing I normally do, because a lot of guys, I do know their names and I know where they played, you know, but, you know, since they're not Panthers, I don't really follow how successful they've been i went out and i you know and i searched you know the internet and i searched twitter you know to see what the you know what the sentiment was about him and i went out and looked at pff i know a lot of people don't like pff but to me pff is a good gauge on how well a guy may have played and i know it's not always accurate and people get frustrated yeah, about that I, but if I, you don't know a guy i think it gives you a baseline right yeah i i think offensive line is one area where they can get things quite badly wrong um yeah yeah, I, I but I, it was consistent. His 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 most recent you know ratings you know were kind of consistent with the sentiments about him. Yeah, no, I and, I, 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 and I so think, I was so I yeah. was just thinking I was like, well, let me let me you know get a sense of who this guy is as a guard, you know, rather than a center because we still have Matt Paradis, right? So my yeah. vision for him, my, the way I envision him is you know is either at right guard or left guard. Yeah, if he plays this year, and, he'll be a guard. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be a guard. And so I try to look for the positives. You know, the positives are that he played well as a center and and that, you know, the the, the guard position would have been new for him um, in that Minnesota offense and then going to the Jets, you know, as well. And I was thinking, you know, well, what if the Panthers can actually, you know, work with him to, to, to get him better technique-wise and, you know, get his feet better? to see if he become a player. I know he isn't necessarily signed to be, you know, a, a pro bowler by any means or an all pro guard, but, you know, is there potential there? So, you know, what can you share about Pat Elfline? So I, I, I think it's worth noting that his contract is that of a guy who is going to be like the, the, the sixth offensive lineman. Like I, I, I think he, he's a guy who I think will compete to start this year. And depending on what happens with Paradis could compete to start next year, but I don't think he's a, you know, locked in starter. He's one of your five type guy. Like, you know, it's worth noting that he wasn't paid 10 million a year. He's being paid, you know, four and a half a year. Um, right. And less than half of that is guaranteed. So I, I, the actual details of his contract haven't been released, but I guess it looks more like a two plus one type deal. Yeah. Um, watching him on tape, he does some nice things. I think he, he can be really effective in like that sort of outside zone scheme. He uses his feet very well. He, he, he is a, as a run blocker. Um, he actually uses his hands quite well as a run blocker. His his pad level is the big thing, um, which I think is a common thing for offensive linesmen, um, right. and probably hasn't been helped from a move from center to guard. Um, yeah. 
I think working on that will, will help to elevate him a, a fair amount. I think he's a solid player. I, I, I think he, he was not helped by the Jets being a bit of a, a mess last year. Um, it, it, you know, it's one of those things where if, if you can just focus on blocking your guy and you can just worry about that, it makes things a lot easier for you. Whereas when you're worried about, you know, chaos around you, it doesn't really help. Like, you know, that there, there was, um, I was, I one player I remember watching was, he was trying to, it, it was the, the, I can't remember which team they were playing, but they, they ran like a, a stunt twist um, up front. And, and like, it was one of those things where like the tackle got to, didn't get deep enough. And so he could neither pass off his guy nor pick up, you know, he basically had two guys and he had to work out which one he was going to let run unblocked to the quarterback. Right. And it's like, people are not going to succeed in that situation. Cause even, even, even if you, if you go like, right, well, okay, we'll just keep blocking your guy and let the other guy run three. But if you're in a situation, you do kind of, you naturally get caught between two minds and you naturally end up sort of doing both jobs badly kind of thing. And, yeah. and there, there's, there is definitely a bit, there's also a bit where the jets just didn't help him at all um, as a run blocker. Like they just, they do the same thing over and over and over again. Um, right. Like it was it, it, as a left guard, the number of times that they sort of then ran like outside zone to the left was uh, a lot. And like, you could <laughs> see there, there were plays against the Seahawks where like, you could see the Seahawks were kind of like anticipating outside zone to the left. And, yeah. and, and, the, and the, and the tackle was just shooting the gap. Like, you know, he did a decent job of blocking, but the tackle was shooting the gap. He wasn't, you know, he was playing for the outside zone kind of thing. And, it, and their tackle their left tackle was was it Beckton? Yeah, for most of the yeah, season. So he, yeah, so he's a rookie, a rookie. Yeah, left yeah, and he was he was okay. He has some talent. Um, yeah, but like he it wasn't you know he 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 was a rook he was he had a rookie to the to his left and and you know not exactly an all pro inside of him. So like you know it was the Jets did not have a good offensive line. It, it's it's I don't me wrong. Pat Elfline is he's probably not going to make a Pro Bowl in his career. Um, <laughs> he in an ideal world he would be that kind of. Tyler Larson type guy where he is he is the backup both at guard and center he's the sixth yeah. offensive linesman when you when you sort of rank them up and he gives you a competent level of play who can start at multiple positions if needs be and gives you a high quality of depth I think that's kind of where where he he projects best um if he can get his if he can work on his pad level then I think he can actually be a passable starter like I, I did or even potentially a reasonably good one um I wouldn't assume he can do that but but that, that that would definitely make a big impact on his game if he can address that. Well, that's what I hope for. You know, hopefully these guys get a full off season and he's going into the season knowing his role, you know, for the Panthers. And he has talent. You know, I think there was a time where, you know, he was a highly regarded center. And coming in and 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 being able to play both positions, you know, is obviously, you know, something good for the Panthers. You know, we know we need um, offensive linemen, you know, and Scott Fitterer two weeks ago said that they needed to target, you know, the offensive line, and I believe he said cornerback. Mm-hmm. And so to see an offensive lineman um, acquired first, I wasn't surprised. I was a little surprised by who it was, but then when I saw, you know, the contract terms, I was like, okay, you know, we not, we didn't pay a ton for him. And so just like you say, you know, maybe he's the sixth offensive lineman, maybe he ends up cracking the top five and, you know, being a, a quality um, guard. Honestly, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm, a, yeah, I'm I, an optimistic guy. You know, that's what I want. I want him to be a really good starter on the offensive line because he's on yeah, the team yeah. now, right? I, I think my, my, my view would be that they overpaid slightly, but it's slightly not ridiculously. Yeah. Um, and that they needed to because they needed, they needed guard options. Like, you know, sensibly that they... they 
they wanted to they had they they needed to add guard options to the point where they weren't forced to go and draft a guard in the draft. Um, and I can I can agree with that approach. And uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I think it's the right approach. I think yeah, I, I think yeah. if 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 he'd have been paid, if it was three years, ten point five, I think I'd I'd feel a bit more positive. Like yeah, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like it's not ridiculously so, but he probably did get a little bit more money than I I, I you know I think he probably did get overpaid slightly, but. At the same time, they needed to get it done early in free agency. They didn't want to be sitting. You know, what they couldn't afford to be doing is sitting here right now, a week into free agency, going like, "Yeah, we really need to sign a guard." Like they, they needed. To, it was one of the things they, they needed to tick it off the list, get it done, and then focus on their other needs rather than spending the whole of free agency going like, "Right, we need to sign offensive linesmen, guys." Like, like who who is left? Who can we afford? Sometimes it's better just to overpay a little bit and get it done and, and focus on other things. And I think that's what we saw. You know, what people didn't realize is. A lot of people didn't realize this in terms of the fans who follow the team, and and I focus on you know the the Twitter fans more than anyone else. Is we entered the off season with one offensive lineman under contract, and that was Matt Paradis. One starter, yeah. You still had like yeah, one um, starter. That's yeah, that's what I mean. One starter, and we had to address the offensive line um, clearly, and you know they did that early by franchising um, Taylor Moten. So now you have two starters, but you're still missing an entrenched um, left and right guard and a left tackle. I know they, uh, I think they signed Trent Scott. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, you know, we, we have him in the fold, but, you know, I don't think anybody would, you know, think they're going to go very far with him as your starting left tackle. No, I, so I think that's still probably... have to figure that out. Yeah, I think I think Little and Daly do. I think I think the one thing I mean, the other guy that the Panthers signed was was Cam Irving, who I I'm, I haven't watched that much tape on recently, but I, you know I, I've seen enough to know that he's you know how can I put this? You don't sign a guy for a two year five two year ten million dollar contract expecting him to play well at left tackle. Like I, I think what Cam, yeah. I, but I think the, the the important point is that Cam Irving can play all five offensive line positions, and Elfline that's can important play, to note. And Pat Elfline can play the three interior positions, and I think. Yeah. While I think they overpaid for Elfline, and I I am surprised by how many guaranteed dollars they gave Cam Irving, shall we say? Like I I eighty percent guaranteed is is a lot for a for a journeyman swing tackle. Um, yeah. But 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 um, I think what it gives them is okay. Cam Irving can come and compete at left tackle. You know, if they don't go and draft the left tackle, he competes with Trent Scott and and Greg Little. One of them wins the job. If you know if it's Greg Little as a potential that he becomes a long-time guy, I think the other two are at best stop gaps. Um, but but you know, it means Dennis Daly can concentrate on playing guard. Hopefully he plays at a decent level. Elfline can be penciled into one of the other guard spots. You, they've, they've got pieces that they can compete, and crucially, it means they can go into the draft. And as long as they don't draft someone who can only play center, that person has a chance to compete to start. If they draft a and I want to say only play center. There are very few offensive linemen who can only play center. But if you go and if you go and draft, you know, if you draft someone like a, obviously like a Penny Sewell would compete at left tackle. But if you go and draft a Rashawn Slater, then he can compete at left tackle. If he doesn't compete at left tackle. He can play at guard. You can move yeah. the pieces around. And if you draft a tackle, they can start. They can compete at left tackle. If you draft a guard, they can compete at either guard spot. If you draft right. like a, a, a center slash guard, they can compete at either guard spot and then potentially move to center later kind of thing. Like there's a lot of flexibility and it means that the Panthers can, can sensibly, rather than it being like, we need a tackle or we need a guard, you can just take the best offensive linesman and work out where to play them later kind of thing. 
because you have enough flexible pieces around them that if you just keep adding good quality offensive linesmen, you can make the other pieces fit. So I, I think that I think is a positive. I think they overpaid for both guys, but I think they also were fairly desperate to get guys. So it, it's, I, I don't love those two moves, but I the, the Irving move confuses me more than the offline move. And I mean, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, both moves I, I understood. Um, and I was keeping in mind what Scott Fitterer said at his press conference a few weeks ago, and that was that they want an offensive lineman who could play multiple positions. I think he mentioned that if they get a guard or center, that that person could play all three positions, you know, both guards and center. And then if they got a tackle, you know, the tackle can play either tackle or across the offensive line. So, you know, you just mentioned Cam Irving having the ability to play all five positions across the offensive line. Yeah. Um, from what I gather, Cam Irving is one of these, um, you know, these freak athletes at his size um, that hasn't put it all together yet, you know, um, to be a good, a really good offensive lineman, good tackle. But, you know, he has the traits, he has the ability to play multiple positions, you know, yeah, in, in those uh, scenarios, you know, I think, you know, they pan out, you know, for an offensive line who may lose a guy, you know, now you have a guy like Cam Irving who, who comes in and can play left tackle, or if you lose, you know, a, a guard, you know, he can come in and play guard, and if you lose a center, he can actually do that, you know, or, you know, the right tackle, even if Moten goes down, he could potentially fill in for that, yeah. you know, or he could be good enough to start, you know, you never know. Yeah, I, I think the, the hope would be maybe one or possibly both of them start in 2021 but i think you'd hope yeah. that in 2022 they are offensive linesmen six and seven and they yeah. can cover every position between them you've got two guys who play loads of slots they they they, they they're veterans around the nfl and 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 that kind of is is your they, they're two useful depth pieces who aren't being paid ridiculous money um and that's and, and that's important to know and then look at pat Elfline. you never know what's going to happen with matt paradis going forward yeah, and I mean, him having the ability to play center gives you a little flexibility going into the 2022, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would not assume that Paradis is back, if only because he's like he'll he'll be I think 33 during the 2022 mm -hmm. season. He's at you know he'll be a free agent who's right at the end of his career. Maybe if the Panthers are competing and close, maybe you know if if they if they maybe sneak into the playoffs this year somehow, or they're kind of you know if if you're if you're nine and seven this year or eight and eight. And you think you you can be two or three games better the year after? Maybe you get a quarterback, or they they you know. Paradis is a guy who will help you in the short term, but ultimately he is you know he is getting towards the end of his career. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I I think these are decent signs. Yeah, I think these are decent signings rather than the solution at. at the and honestly, I can I can I can live with that, you know. And, and I think, I think because when the signings occurred, basically like three days before free agency started. I think they I think they happened like last Sunday uh, when it was announced during the tampering period that we were signing. It was Mon yeah, and, Monday, yeah. Yeah, so it was, it, was, yeah, it was Monday. And the fans were losing it because, you know, other teams were rumored to be signing or, you know, finding out that, like, bigger names were signing with better teams. And, and here we were signing Pat Elfline and Cam Irving. And, you know, fans were, like, losing their minds. And, and, and I got it, you know, because in trying to research – these guys and find the positive. I found more negative than positive. So I, then I was like, you know what? I'm not going to try to justify the signings at, you know, especially at the prices they paid. But, you know, like I said, my glasses half full approach. I was just thinking, well, if they turn into quality starters or rotational pieces across the line uh, for 2021, then, you know, essentially, you know, we would have gotten our money's worth. And then 
Um, I know that it allowed for Scott Fitterer and Matt Rule, you know, who arguably were in on deals, you know, in the first day or so, like everybody else was. They just didn't get those bigger names early, um, losing out to other teams. And so it wasn't that they weren't trying to get other guys. They just didn't always land the guy that they yeah. wanted. So Pat Eflon and Cam Irvin were guys who they reached out to, they agreed to terms with, and they were the first two off the board. So those yeah. are the first two guys. And then the next guy um, that I want to talk about is, is Denzel Perryman. Yeah. Um, inside linebacker coming from the Chargers, still pretty young guy. Uh, what do you think yeah. about Denzel? Yeah, I mean, pr- pretty young in the sense that he's not like right at the end of his career, but I don't think he like he's old enough that he is who he is kind of thing. Like, I think that's yeah. a, that's the thing is is there's a difference between a guy like Hassan Reddick who's 26 or yeah. uh, Morgan Fox who's 26, where you're like, I can see you know, or or Dan Arnold who's 26. You're like, I can see how they can develop. I think when guys get to like like Cam Irving and and Denzel Perryman with like 28, I don't think 28 year olds tend to make massive steps, should we say? Like, right. I think they are they kind of they are who they are at this point. Yeah. Um, I think Denzel Perryman's an interesting guy. Um, I think he's a, an he can be a very effective run defender, particularly when working downhill. Like, he's not the most agile guy. Like, he is, you know, he is he does struggle at times. Um, he can get caught behind plays at times, not all the time, but he, you know, he can get caught behind at times. And yeah. it, in zone, he's a guy who knows where he needs to be, shows good awareness, and doesn't bust in coverage and is, does a good job of taking away receivers in his zone. But he's not yeah. going to be a guy who's coming down with a ton of interceptions or 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 generating many plans. He, he's 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 a bit like Jermaine Carter, or at least what Jermaine Carter showed at the end of last season, where. Um, he's consistently in the right place and can cover a reasonable amount of ground and shows reasonable awareness, but is not going to be diving in front of passes in the Luke Keekley style to, to, to pick them off. I think the difference is that Carter is still young enough that you could think that he can still get better in that regard. Whereas I think Perryman is kind of, he is who he is. Um, I think the signing of Perryman also indicates they are going to stick to zone. Um, he's not yeah. a guy you, you sign to, to play in tons of man coverage. Um, he's also a guy that supports the idea of playing a three, four, I think he probably is much more effective when he's charging downhill into gaps and can just yeah. can 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 hit, can hit gaps head on. He's not as effective, sort of working laterally and working off blocks. Right. Um, he's not bad in that regard. It's just not something that he necessarily excels at. Um, but I think he's again he gives you some rotation options. Um, I don't think the Panthers will play three linebackers all the time. Like I don't think it will be Chin plays strong safety and Jermaine Carter, Perryman, and Shacker on the field. 90% of the time. I think it will be they play two of those three most of the time and rotate between using Chin as a safety and a linebacker and they kind of, you know, I don't know what they'll do at free safety, but, you know, maybe sometimes you have um, uh, Kenny Robinson on the field, sometimes you have Denzel Perryman, sometimes you have Perryman and Carter, sometimes you just have Carter, sometimes you just have Perryman and that you can you can rotate. Um, I do think, and obviously last season, they, that Matt Roy made a point about not wanting to have to substitute defensively. Yeah, I think they're probably going to do that more this year just because as you become more multiple, you need guys who are kind of specialised into particular roles. And, you, you know, what Denzel Perryman can do as a linebacker, you know, you can't just you can't just move him out to where Jeremy Chin was playing as a linebacker last year and expect him to play the same role. Um, yeah. So I, I think they will probably substitute a bit more this year defensively, or at least I would hope so. Um, but I think he's, he's a player who is good at what he's good at. And if you use him how he's how he can be effective then I think that makes a lot of sense I think if 
I mean, he does have quite a worrying injury history. Not as exactly like he's going to get hurt all the time, but I think if you're leaning on him to be the starting guy for 16 games, 100% of the snaps, I think that's probably unrealistic. I think he's more a guy who can play. play him and Jermaine Carter will compete for the number two spot and whoever is the number three will rotate in as part of a, a situational package. Like, you know, when teams go to 12 personnel or whatever, they'll, they'll use both those guys. But yeah, I, I think he's a, he's a guy who rotates in rather than a guy who starts every snap. And that's what I was thinking. And 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 up until they signed Denzel Perryman, because I really thought they would go for a linebacker in the draft more so than in free agency. Um, until they got Denzel Perryman, I was really entrenching Jermaine Carter as the other inside linebacker or, you know, weak side linebacker beside Shaq or middle linebacker or the Mike. You know, I, I didn't know what they had for Jermaine in terms of how they envisioned him playing this in this defense, but I really thought that he would be one of the top linebackers and starting linebackers. I think after we signed Denzel Perriman, you know, it's, it's like what happens to Jermaine or, you know, in the in the sense of how you just described it, does it even matter, you know, who's listed as a starter or not? I think it does a bit. I think Jermaine Carter is a little bit more mobile. Like, I think if you were... Uh... I think the way I would, I think if you're playing a three, four, like a, a more mm. conventional three, four, I think you Perryman gets the nod. I think if you're playing a four, three, then, then Carter gets the nod. Okay. Um, I don't think they're like worlds apart, but I think Carter is a bit more, bit more mobile in coverage um, yeah. and a bit less downhill as a run defender. He's better at working laterally. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think if you, yeah, if you were playing, there'll be times when I think I think on, on in obvious passing situations, Denzel Perryman should probably not be on the field. Jermaine Carter might be on the field, but might not. I think that's the way I'd put it. Like if if they go twelve personnel in an obvious passing situation, then you want Carter there, not Perryman. Yes. Um, if it's fourth and one, and they go to uh, eleven personnel, then you 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 want Perryman, not Carter. You know, you, you, okay. you, you know. So I, now I, let me let me ask you a question: Is there any instances where you can see both Perryman and Carter on the field and Shaq out? I mean, possibly. I think it's unlikely. Um, I, I I think Shaq is very important to what they do defensively. Um, yeah. I think he, although he, I think he's one of those things where although he is not like the all-pro do-it-all linebacker, he is very versatile. He gives you a lot of options. Yeah. Um, he I can play, I think he can play man coverage in a way that the other two I think in a way that Perryman can't and in a way that Jermaine Carter has not shown yet that he is able to, shall we say. Um, like, I think Perryman has shown at this point that if you're going to put him on man coverage, it's it's going to end badly, particularly if he has to run down the field. Like, he's, he's you know, you're not going to match him up on tight ends. Um, right, right. Um, and, you know, you know if, like, he strikes me as a two-down guy. You know, they used to throw that term around a lot, you know, like a two-down linebacker. Denzel Perryman strikes me as a two-down guy. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where he is actually good in coverage in that he is, he is very good at executing his assignment inside the coverage, um, yeah. but he has limitations. So yeah. he can actually drop reasonably deep, like you can use him as intermediate coverages. He's very, he, one thing he really does show a really good ability to, to, to deal with is taking away routes, crossing back behind him. So, yeah. so quite often what the Chargers would do is they'd drop him into like an intermediate zone. He did a really good job of recognizing players trying to flow in behind him and taking that away. So he does actually have have a reasonable range in zone. Um, yeah. I just I, I think he he's just going to struggle in man coverage against better route runners. Like you know, if you put him on Christian McCaffrey, that's that's you know, if you were the Panthers and and, and you were playing playing the Chargers and they'd put Perryman on McCaffrey, you just you know, unless you're going to double him with with throwing it to McCaffrey, like that you know, that's a matchup we're going to win ninety five percent out of hundred. So you're saying they can't run with Alvin Kamara? No. 
I mean, you know, he, he might he might be able to run to the like. It's one of those things where you, you, you know, he's quite good at like bombing to the flat. And if you're going to try and throw a swing yeah. pass, he can charge the guy down and smack him in the head. But yeah, um, yeah he's not going to deal well at the head of routes, trying to change direction. Like, like it, it's more the shiftiness as a route runner that he'll really really struggle with. But that's that's fine. Like the Panthers are a primarily zone based defense. Um, yeah. He will probably play in zone the vast majority of the time. And in obvious yeah. passing situations, when team goes teams go to four wide, he just won't be on the field. Like he he yeah. he, he has a role and he'll do it well. And you know, I can't remember. I don't think they've actually announced what his what his um, cap number is yet. Have they? I'll have a quick check. But like he's a, uh, you know, he, he yeah, they haven't announced his cap number yet. But like on a two year deal, he 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 gives you a rotational like borderline starter, and he also gives you options with with Jermaine Carter in the final year of his contract. He. He gives you a player that that if, if Jermaine walks in free agency, then you don't have to like desperately. I think this is the thing with these two-year deals. It means they don't have to rush to replace guys next year quite as much in a number of Well, hours. let me mention something about that. You know, it's interesting you brought up the fact that, you know, Jermaine Carter's in in the last year of his deal. I'm only bringing this up is, you know, because as these guys were getting their deals earlier this week and, yeah. you know, and we were seeing the figures, I saw Jermaine tweet. You know, like in a lot of tweets, and I don't want to say a lot, but a couple of tweets. He seems know, quite that, keen on, on getting paid, which which yeah, to be fair, I can absolutely understand. Like, like I do, I do, I, I, I get it. And that's why I wanted to mention it. Like these guys, they see, you know, their peers finally reaching the point where they're getting their contracts. And and people don't realize this about free agency. So just kind of stepping away from you know the guys that we mentioned that we just signed for a moment. A lot of these guys are playing for that first big contract, especially if they weren't first rounders. Uh, if they came on day two, you know, day three, you know, this is an opportunity, you know, for them to to get. Yeah, it, it's, and... you, you go from being a well-paid employee to being like, gener- yes. you know, yeah, to being set to be like, you know, like yeah. sensibly, like if, if Jermaine Carter's career ends tomorrow, I don't know what he's done on the business side. And, you know, you never know what, what people do with their financial stuff, but he probably has not yeah. earned enough money to never have to work again. Right. He, get, he, he's, he signs a four year, $25 million deal next offseason. He might not ever have to work again, kind of thing. And, and that, that's, that's, I mean, don't wrong. I absolutely recognize that. And, and, and players should get as much as they possibly can. Like the idea of like player loyalty is, is, is fine in practice. But, you know, particularly, particularly for guys who are not going to get these, like, you know, if, if you're a quarterback and it's the difference between $350 million and $400 million, yeah, okay. Then, you know, yeah. you, you kind of set whatever happens. But for a guy, it's, you know, this is sort of your one chance to get a lot of money, then 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 absolutely go for it. But I, I think what Perryman signing means is that the Panthers won't have to necessarily chase Carter next offseason. Like I I if he plays well, they should want to pay him and they should want to bring him back. He's a young guy, he seems like a, 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 a you know someone you'd want to have in your locker room. But it yeah. means that you're not like going like, well, we have no starting linebacker. We even need to, you know, what you don't want to be in a position is where you like have to add someone. I mean, you know, the Panthers are retooling, so it's going to happen a lot this kind of this year, next this year, last year, and probably next year a little bit. But you don't want to be in positions where it's like we have no starting guard. We have we have to go and find someone now. You don't you don't want it to be like we have Shaq Thompson and then like some guys who have been career backups at like 28, 29 years old. Like you, right. you don't want to be in that position. Whereas at least with Perryman, it's like we might not ideally have them as our starting pair, but at least we don't like have to draft the linebacker in the first round because we, we can't afford not to. You know, and, 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 the twenty sixteen Panthers at cornerback is what you want to avoid. Nah, when you go you, and draft yeah. three cornerbacks because you don't have any. You don't have yeah. any. No, I I agree with that. And I, I do like um Perryman. You know, the, the thing I want to mention about Perryman, because you know we've been kind of dissecting a little bit, 
the one thing I love about him is how aggressive he is at tackling. I'm a, like I said, I'm a big defensive guy. I try to state that as much as I can. And I know that he may have some limitations, but man, when he hits the ball carrier or sometimes, you know, the way that he uh, attacks blockers, you know, there's, yeah. this, there's this clip on Twitter of him hitting um, Becton from, from the Jets. And man, he put him on his butt. And I'm thinking to myself, like this, I mean, this guy is honestly, I would be surprised if he's actually a six foot tall. You know, no, he, he looks, he's he's like five eleven, but he's like two hundred and forty, two fifty, something like that. Yeah, he, he's, he's a rock, you know, and 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 he comes down, comes downhill very mean, and, and and he's trying to 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 inflict pain on on ball carriers or anybody in his way. And I love that about him. Yeah, where where he can struggle a little bit is when he's not able to come downhill. So like yeah. if. If, if if the defense is able to make him, if the offense is able to make able to make him hesitate early in plays and he can't just charge down and hit somebody, he he can get stuck on blocks a little bit. Like he he would benefit from using his hands a little bit more to work off blocks when he to get off when yeah. when, the, when they get up on him and he can't just charge at them and smack them backwards. He he, he can get caught a little bit. And as a tackler, he he's very good at diving in, but could do to set his feet a little bit more at times. Like you know, he's one of those things where like he's. When when it looks good, he can be really really effective. But yeah. there are like you know that he to be fair, his missed tackle numbers improved a lot last year. But he has been a guy who's missed a reasonable number of tackles. Um, yeah, but we don't think he's always kind of going for the the big hit. You know. Yeah, he and, also um, he, he tends to leave his feet quite yeah. early, which looks he's spectacular when it works. But if a guy like yeah. changes direction, you end up sort of like tapping their ankles as you fly past them, kind of thing. Yeah, he he launches a lot, and you know, like you said, and when he when he actually connects, it's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful explosion, you know. But um, I can see how you can miss a lot when you do things like that, you know. But the crazy part is, and again, going to everybody's hated um, website for analysis, I thought it was cool that he had a really high rating on PFF last year. I think he actually had a really good season with the Chargers last year. I think they were, you know, they had a lot of injuries. Um, at the second level and in their secondary, but you know he was one of the, one of the guys who played pretty well for them. And so if he can kind of continue on that track and you know find a role in this defense where you know he can do what you said, you know in a zone, he can manage station and and um, and you know and then you know cut off you know the the routes behind him and things of that nature. I think the one thing that limits him in coverage um, that people don't talk about a lot is a lot of you know we we talk. I think last week and whenever we covered the, the linebacker position, uh, we talked about guys who, you know, who are rangy, you know, like taller linebackers. Um, people don't realize Luke Kuechly was six foot three in the yeah. middle, you know, and like 235. Uh, Perriman isn't that, you know, he, he's 5'11", you know, and, and if he's that short, then his arms may be short too. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I think I think for him the issue is more on his hips and his knees. Like he just he yeah. just fundamentally doesn't change direction that well. Um, right. Like he's fine. Like he's fine. Like it's not like a liability or anything. But but um, yeah, he just has some sort of you know. I, again, it's all these things. Like you want to know what the number is that they're paying him because that hasn't been released yet. But assuming it's not something silly, he's yeah. a he's a good player who, if he's starting, it's not a problem. Has some limitations. Has some strengths. Is a is like a, a solid starter. Um, well, I'm eager to see him. I think he'll be better than the 52 that he was replacing into here, Whitehead. You know. Yeah, so I think I'm that, hoping that, that he can be better than that. I think he. I think he will be better. I think he's also certainly he's in a better 
point in his career. I think to hear, you know, like he he is he's 28 rather than 30 kind of thing, and yeah, you know, or, or 31 or whatever what it was, which is kind of you know, it doesn't make the world difference, but he is he and he's a guy who has I think made shown a bit more in coverage. But it is, I think stylistically, it is that kind of player, someone who is not yeah. going to not going to play a ton of man coverage and who is not going to probably be in zone coverage. You know, actually, no, I think I think he has more range in zone than to hear Whitehead did. Um, yeah. I think he is a better player than Tahir Whitehead, but he's stylistically not that dissimilar. He's more of an inside, true inside linebacker than he is anything else. You know, and that was the first thing I thought. I mean, obviously, I think he's more flashy than Tahir. Um, I don't think yeah, he's as fun. big of an upgrade as people may perceive, but I do think he's better. Um, and we'll just see, you know, how he pans out. I'm, I'm looking forward to him. I think he definitely makes the the offense, I mean, the defense a little more dynamic. And and I'm looking forward to some of those splash plays. I hope that, you know, he doesn't give up big plays in the process. I'm definitely looking forward to the upside. I seen Jermaine Carter, after we signed him, say something, you know, to the effect of, I guess we're going to see who smashes, you know, the most guys this year. So I think they're going to have some internal competition but, between yeah, he I, and Shaq. <laughs> I think I, th- I think if it's who can hit the hardest, I think Perryman will win. Um, yeah. uh, but I think I think it, it's I think they have different skill sets, like like slightly different skill sets. And I think it, it's yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good signing. I think it's definitely something that that it's not something that changes your franchise, but it's a good player to add, particularly on like a two year deal that gives you some flexibility. Well, uh, yeah, I'm I'm good with it. So you know, moving on from Denzel Perryman to yeah. another guy who could improve our defense, uh, Morgan Fox. Yeah. defensive lineman from the Rams. Um, what do you think about Morgan? Um, so I've only watched about a game and a half of them so far. So I'm still sort of watching him um, for, for the profile. So I should also point out, we have profiles on Hassan Reddick, um, Denzel Perryman and Pat Elfline already on the right report. So please, if you haven't checked them out, go do that. Um, yeah, go check that out. But uh, we will hopefully have ones on Dan Arnold and Morgan Fox coming out at some point this week. Um, but yeah, I, I think Morgan Fox is... Um, I think he's a useful player. I think he can, again, he, he can play that strong side role. Like I think he's a replacement for FA Obada, frankly. Um, I think that's kind of the guy he'll replace. Um, yeah. I think he'll play a bit of three tech and a bit of defensive end. Um, I think he's a bit bigger than FA, a bit naturally bigger. He's not quite as explosive, but he's more, more he's more inside focus, um, which makes sense given the Hassan Reddick signing. Um, I think there are areas he needs to improve. I think there's some nice signs he shows as well. I think, yeah, I think he's probably not a guy you pencil in as a starter, but a guy who can who can be a primary rotation piece. Whereas I think in uh, in LA he was more of like a not an afterthought, but he was he he was not a, a primary option a lot of the time. He played sort of like 25, 30% of the snaps. So I think he'd probably play more like 40% of the snaps in in in, in Carolina. Maybe 50. But what's impressive is that if he played 25% of the snaps in, in LA, he generated six sacks. Yeah, uh, he no, in he, that role. He only had nine QB hits though. Um, so okay. if you look at his, yeah, he had. If I can find his actual uh, PFR page, yeah, he had thirteen pressures, which is which is fine. Um, yeah, you know, that, that's 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 decent. Um, I wonder what FA had actually. Uh, yeah, because because yeah, it's it, it's a decent production that that he he showed signs of being able to build upon. Like again, he's a youngish guy. You know, came from a relatively small school, I think. You know, arrow pointing in the right direction. Um, yeah, FA had 21 pressures. So he actually had uh, eight fewer pressures, even though he had half a sack more. Um, yeah. I, think the, I think the other thing to note with FA is that he will be like 29 in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, whereas uh, Morgan Fox uh, is, 
you know, he was 26 in September, so he'll turn 27 at the beginning of the season kind of thing. Um, yeah, so he's a couple of years younger. Came from um, a, can, yeah. He yeah. Can, he can give you the same type of production as FA, and it didn't cost a lot. No, no, I think that's the thing is he, he's he's been signed to be a useful rotation piece rather than a foundational piece of what you're doing defensively, if that makes sense. Like he... One thing I noted about him was his enthusiasm. Like he was excited to be a Panther. I saw yeah. him go to Twitter and, 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 and yeah, you know, yeah, the right. tweets that he made. And I was like, okay, you know, I like this guy already. And um, if he comes in and, and he can be, you know, what F.A. was, then I think he's worth his money. Hopefully he can be a little bit better if he gets, you know, more uh, percentage of the, of the snaps. I saw um, that he played across their defensive front. I think he was flanked by, you know, Michael Brockers and Aaron Donald, you know, out there in, in L.A. And coming here, you know, he will be beside, you know, Derek Brown and, you know, maybe Ito um, Gross Matos, Burns, you know, you never know. But, you know, if we go odd front a lot, I can definitely see him, you know, in an odd front. I can see him in an even front. You know, I, I, I see that he's versatile, you know, in, in, in both fronts. And and I, I do like him as a rotational piece and potentially a starter. I think. Yeah, I, I think he probably, of, he, he, if, if he's starting, that's because they're playing a th- three-man front like I think if, I, yeah. I think I think he watching him on tape I think if he's starting as like a a, a detackle in a 4-3 I think teams are going to run at him yeah um, because he's he's kind of he's kind of small I think I looked up his weight he's around 275 280 yeah, yeah he's like yeah, he's, two, he's yeah. small to be in the front of a yeah of a, 6'3 275 a, yeah so I, I can see him more of a as a and he still be small even in the art front as an end um yeah, but, but that's that, that, that's not too bad. Six three two seventy five yeah. is 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 fairly okay. I, it's more like his pad level can be a little bit iffy at times and stuff, and he's not the best at um, his arm extension. Could be better. So it, like he's he technically needs to improve as a as a run defender as well. Like he's a guy who you know, he went to a small school. I think there is more growth in him. I think he's someone who has the potential to develop further. Um, yeah. But but he yeah no he should be a reasonably he should be a useful rotation piece who can play who can play the end. He, he again. Maybe he's more of a replacement for Weatherly than he is for Abada, and it'll be interesting to see whether the Panthers add someone else at that position as well. But he is that kind of that sort of uh, four three end three four. You know, you know, he plays he plays D end whether it's in the the four three or three four kind of thing. That that sort of like three tech slash five tech type type hybrid. Got it. And and and, and the one thing I liked about him, and I, and I saw the highlights. I can't even pretend like I watched any film on him. But once he gets off his man and gets after the quarterback, like, he gets there in an instant. Like, he has a lot of acceleration, and he has a lot of, um, what do you call it, like, tenacity, you know, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to pursue the ball. And I, I like guys who have, like, those type of high motors, you know, to where, like, they, they don't stop until they get, you know, to where they're going. And um, and so I'm, I'm eager to see him in this defense. Um, not a big-name guy, you know, but a guy, you know, where – you know, he can actually make a difference. And when you go out, you know, when you lose a guy like F.A. Obata, um, I think he's a guy that can help you get over that loss a little bit. Yeah, and, and, so, um, and, and, and at two years, eight million with only about half that guaranteed, it's, you know, that that's that's solid value as well. Like, he, you know, he's not being paid like a, like a superstar. He's being paid like a, like a rotation piece. And the crazy part is what we don't know is F.A. Obata, you know, could be wanting more than that. Yeah, um, no, I, I, based, I, on, based on where he is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see what the Panthers do. I mean, we, we can sort of have this conversation a bit in a second, but I think the yeah. the Panthers probably need to add one more person on defense. Well, they probably need before the end before the next season, they probably need to add two more defensive linesmen. 
um, I think you'd ideally want to add somebody before the draft. Um, I like to see that. You know, there, there's still a couple of guys out there. You know, yeah. Who can I think I, I think our our defense. Exactly. Exactly. I think as um, while Fox, I think can play some three tech. I don't think he can. You know, what they lack is like an actual like full time three tech. Um, yeah. And I think if you're going to play a lot, particularly if they play when they play four three, it's not clear who's going to play alongside Derek Brown um, yeah. as as their their like main four three D tackle. Um, and yeah. any any and even if you go to a three four, it can't just be Gross Matos and Fox all the time. Partly right. because they'll get exhausted, um, but yeah. also because they're both a little bit small for that. And in passing situations, that's fine. If you've got one of them on the field and like another three tech, that's kind of okay. But yeah. if it's just those two guys, teams are just going to run at you. Um, yeah. And and I, yeah, I, I think they need. I think the draft is reasonably deep at three tech. I think they can definitely get one in the draft. But I think they probably need and they need probably need two legitimate three tech options. And I can I can I can see that. And I hope that they do. I hope that they address it. You know, either you know here in free agency or in the draft. But you know, losing KK short, you know, isn't a small loss. You know, I think no. I wouldn't rule out him coming back still. I like I I I think that you know one not one of the outcomes which was him finding a big market and signing elsewhere quickly, that's kind of been crossed off as a pathway. So I think now, depending, I don't know how much money the Panthers have left because we don't know um exactly how much they've spent already. But uh yeah. but you know, I th- I think they they should be at least talking to uh, to, to KK about about coming back. Well I I definitely would be uh, welcoming of KK coming back. You know, he's been entrenched in the locker room for years now. And I know he did a lot with Derek Brown, you know, this past year and mentoring him. And I think, you know, Derek Brown and the other guys in the locker room could benefit from having a, a savvy guy like KK around. And, you know, and hopefully, you know, in a new role as a rotational piece, um, you know, uh, as a lower paid veteran, I think he can be more effective, you know, like, what you mentioned about most guys we talk about, you know, if you can use him less and get more of him, more yeah. from him, I think that's the the best situation for KK. And um, so hopefully, you know, he's, he's, he sticks around. It'd be nice to see him as one of those pieces rather than going to get another guy who's, you know, at a similar point in their career and would require the same money. Just yeah. keep the guy house. You know, I also think there aren't a ton of good three tech options left at the moment. Like, I think yeah. Sir probably isn't gonna. I think he probably goes back to. I, I, he might even have signed already, but I think if he hasn't, he's probably going back to Tampa Bay. So I think it's yeah. probably KK and Geno Atkins. Um, and I don't have. You know, I think they're both pretty solid pros. I think there's obviously. I think they can probably get KK for less, and they'll get Geno Atkins. I'll put it that way. Just probably I, I because that too. For a variety right, is, of reasons. Is Gino the same? Gino is a little older than KK, right? Or they're right there. Uh, the they're, I think they're pretty much the same age. They're both early thirties. Yeah. Um, I'll have a quick Google. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I think they. I think the other, the other advantage of going, getting a guy like KK is that even if you do go and draft a um, a D tackle, take the third round or something, you you don't particularly want to throw that guy in. Like obviously, if you draft someone in the first round, then that's a bit different. Yeah, KK's thirty-two. They're both thirty-two. They're, they're KK is about no no Gino Atkins will be thirty three next week so so they're about a year apart but um, about a year apart but yeah they're, they're both like 32, 33. but um, okay I, I I think the 
I think, yeah, if you draft a guy in the first round, you probably expect him to start like you did with Derek Brown. If you draft a guy in the in the third or fourth round, you don't really want to throw them out there for 60% of the snaps right away. Like, obviously, if they play really well, you can give a bigger role. But I think the advantage of getting a guy like KK is that you don't have to go and start that young guy right away. And I think that that, and also like the mentor. So I think, I think getting KK back would probably be my main priority right now as the Panthers. Okay. Well, I mean, again... I would love to see it. And maybe we'll mention him, you know, when we talk about, you know, some other guys who we can target in free agency. Yeah. Um, but another guy who we were able to pick up is very familiar with Scott Fitterer from his time in Seattle. And that's uh, David Moore. Yeah. And David yeah. Moore instantly comes in and, 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 and competes for what I think would be the wide receiver three position. Um, yeah. along with Brandon Zalstra and maybe uh, Omar Bayless. But David Moore is a guy that we've seen make big plays for Seattle for the last few years. And and I thought it was very important that they brought him in so quickly after learning that we lost, you know, who was our wide receiver three for the past season and, you know, and, and the mainstay for the last three seasons prior to that. And that's Curtis Samuel. So David Moore from Seattle, what do you think about David Moore? What, do, what does he bring? Uh, I think he's a he's a fairly solid guy. I don't think he's a particularly spectacular player. Um, I think he's under like a two year, four million dollar contract, so I don't think he's being paid like a superstar either. But I think no, he's he's, he's somebody who can come in, and if you don't draft a receiver, he probably competes for receiver three. If you do, yeah. he probably becomes competes for receiver four. Um, yeah. I would hope the Panthers make more use of their depth receivers this year because I think last year they didn't have much quality there. I think this year they they potentially have a bit more. Um, yeah. So I, I think he's a, yeah, a three slash four, I think, on the depth chart. Uh, ideally a four. Uh, has a bit of a vertical speed, pretty good hands, reasonable route runner. Not, you know, I need to watch a bit more of his tape, but it's not, you know, he's not going to set the world on fire, but can be a, a solid piece of what you're doing. Um, so, I, yeah, I think he's a, he's a useful player to pick up and not someone they spent very much money on. So I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good deal, but not a deal that makes your franchise one way or the other, if that makes sense. No, and I agree with all of that. The one thing I noted about David Moore when I watched Seattle play over the last two or three years is that whenever I did see him make a play, it was often a deep play, like a, a yeah. He, he's, he's he's more a, of a he's vertical a good guy. ball tracker. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes he makes plays on the ball deep down the field, and I know that's not something that you know this Panthers team is noted for. You know, this quarterback that we have is noted for. You know, he did throw I think you know forty six deep passes no that's just balls at over 20 yards in the air um I think you know with the direction that they're looking at going at quarterback they're going to find somebody who can push the ball deep or who's willing to push the ball deep a lot more let me say it like that and so David Moore is a guy who could fill that role really well if 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 the offense goes that way yeah I I think the other thing is is that you want players who can stretch the field vertically even if you're not going to throw the ball deep all the time because it forces defenses to respect it and I think there's a there is a a marked difference between the we're going you know, like the, the, you know the Chiefs are going to throw the ball deep like that you know that, that that's that's a key part of what they do they're going to do it even when it's not really there they're just going to keep taking those shots and trust they're open right and there's a big difference between that and having having chances to throw the ball deep that aren't necessarily the the primary focus of every play like you want it so that so the defenses can't just like compact the field and only play the first twenty yards. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, if you have someone running deep on every play, you might only throw the deep ball once every 10, 15 plays, but it's yeah. always there. It's always forcing the defense to respect it. And then it creates opportunities underneath. And I think 
I mean, we might as well talk about Dan Arnold as well at the same time, who's the, the tight end they signed on, on Friday. Because, again, he offers a similar kind of vertical element. Obviously, not quite the same extreme because it's doing it from the tight end, but he's yeah. he's a guy who excels running those vertical patterns from the seam, um, whether it's actually as a go ball, but he's, he does create does a good job of using that speed to create separation laterally as well. And, and uh, yeah, he, no, he's, he's a guy who who is going to stretch the field and maybe he doesn't get thrown the deep ball all the time. I mean, it, it, I would point out that if you look at his numbers, his yards per reception is just absolutely bonkers uh, for a tight end. But it, it's it's like prime Greg Olden for yards per reception. But it, it's uh, but it, it, it's also about the crate space that creates underneath. That if if defenses have to, you know, if you've got a guy running down the seam all the time, it means that if you if you're playing say a cover three or a cover one, the the, the center field safety has to sit off to respect that vertical pass, which then yes. means that you create more space underneath, and then. If you've got, you know, if you if you're having a two layer defense, so you've got one guy over the top and one guy, or, or like even two guys underneath. If that deep safety is having to sit at fifty yards, not at thirty yards, then then suddenly you've got those two underneath zone defenders who are having to cover forty yards of space underneath rather than twenty yards of space underneath, and that means that it's much easier to stretch them vertically. And you can run if you, you know, if you run a if you've got a, a, a seam route over the top, you've got a, a thirty yard um, crossing route, and you've got a 10 yard crossing route you know that's a lot of space for linebackers to cover that 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 20 yards and, and either they're going to sit there either they're going to come close and you throw over the top of them or they sit back and you throw underneath them whereas if that safety comes to 30 yards or they come to 15 yards and suddenly you've got you're trying to throw a five yard window above or below a linebacker so I, I think that if you if you can force that last line of the defense back it creates much more space to manipulate underneath because what you don't, what you really want to avoid doing is throwing into really tight windows against zone over the middle of the field. And, and I don't think people realize that Christian McCaffrey really hasn't had the luxury of having an offense like that yet. Um, it's been like that on paper, but in reality, as a starter, he hasn't had the luxury of having an offense that can stretch the field vertically with a quarterback who can be accurate deep to this point in his career. And so getting him back this year with now having Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, David Moore, Dan Arnold um, at tight end, potentially stretching the field, um, that now makes your, your back four or five respect, you know, the pass catchers deep down the field. And if they, you know, get a quarterback that can actually consistently threaten the, you know, deep down the field. Now it opens up a Christian McCaffrey and what he can do underneath or one of those wide receivers, you know, on the underneath route and, you know, just giving them the ball in space and letting them make plays. And, um, and it's yeah, going to make Christian McCaffrey I, I, and whoever else back there more dynamic. I think even, uh, even if Teddy is the starter in 2021, I mean, like, obviously that's not what Teddy makes his money on the deep ball, but he can throw the deep ball. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like Carl Allen who just couldn't hit anything throwing deep. Um, know. You know, I like, know. you know, it, He's not Cam Newton. Yeah. Okay, fine. But, you know, he, he can throw the deep ball. If, if if you've got a guy running open down the seam against cover two, he can make that throw. Like and He you know, did he, it a lot. He did yeah. it a lot for us. And, and people don't really, they didn't really give him credit for when he did make the, the yeah. accurate deep throw. He was, but he was, he, he, he was above average. He wasn't miles above average, but he was above average. And, and that's yeah. kind of, you know, that's kind of all you really need. Um, well, yeah, let, me, but, let me, let me throw out this stat, you know, I'm, I'm pegged as the Teddy lover, you know, amongst Twitter fans. And I'm just going to put a fact out there. And and it was done by, I think it's QB data, you know, 
QB Data Mine. Yeah, which is yeah, it's, 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 it's it's Kian Fahey. Yeah. Oh, so you, you know the person who's behind the, the yeah yeah he um I think he used to write for was it ESPN he used to write for but yeah no he he's 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 like a QB accuracy guy. Oh, so he's a QB accuracy guy. So that gives it a little bit a little bit more uh, validity. Um, but I know that you know as he was counting down from the best deep ball passers you know of 2020 um that teddy wasn't in the bottom 15 so i was like oh let me follow this guy to see where teddy ends up landing and he was at number 11 yeah so that means that there were only 10 guys in the nfl based on whatever his metric system is that were better or more accurate uh, with yeah. deep balls and Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, and, and obviously there is a margin of error there and the, the sample sizes aren't huge. So whether, you know, whether he's eight or whether he's 15 is kind of, you know, th- th- these kind of statistics don't allow you to be that kind. I, I personally, I wouldn't try, trust it. It's like, no, he is definitely better than the guy who's 12. Like, no, that, you know, yeah. this is exactly the truth. It's not war, for example. Um, yeah. But, 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 um, no, I, I think he is a, he is, I mean, I mean, Kim Fay, he's always been quite high on Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but 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 again, like I think you know, reasonably rightly so, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a fairly good quarterback. Um, and, you know, he's not a guy who's going to carry you to the playoffs. But like you know, if you have a good team around him, like the Saints showed, he went five and zero with the Saints. You know, if you have a good team, he can be a perfectly adequate quarterback. Like and and, 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 you, and you know the crazy part, you know, when I was seeing this roster somewhat come together, even though there's no definite superstar amongst the whole hall that we have brought in to this point. Hassan Reddick probably is the most notable name, but you know, you see the pieces coming together. And there were a lot of people who believed that our defense was good last year. And I did not argue with those folks. And I saw the intentional, you know, replacements or, you know, just players that they picked up to improve the defense. And I was like, man, you know, like with Denzel Perriman, with Hassan Reddick, with um, with Morgan Fox, I think all three of those guys are at least as good or better than the people that they uh, will replace from 2020. And I was like, well, that's going to make the defense better. And then, you know, if Cam Irving and, and uh, Pat F line, you know, can improve the offensive line in any way, or any of these guys that we're talking about can improve the team in any way. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is one of those guys who, you know, (laughs) they joke and call him midwater or just a, a, a mediocre quarterback. But I think the better your roster gets, I think the better he gets and yeah. he's familiar with Dan Arnold, you know, from his time in new Orleans, you know, another guy who knows that um, Joe Brady, Sean Payton passing system. Um, you know, you, you got a guy like David Moore um, and you never know who you're going to pick up in the draft or later in free agency. You know, the team gets better. We are better today than I think we were at this point last season. And then yeah. you get Christian McCaffrey back, you know, and, and it's like, okay, if you have to, play with Teddy Bridgewater. Say you draft a quarterback this year and you know Teddy Bridgewater is your bridge guy to get that guy ready. I'm not convinced that Teddy would have a bad season in 2021. I think he would have a better season, you know, if if he gets an opportunity to come yeah, out and play again. Uh, but I don't I, you, you almost can't say that you know nowadays, you know, because of the 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 sentiments and there there are people who follow the team who just want Teddy Bridgewater off the team for principle. And I don't yeah. get those folks because it don't make a lot of economic no, sense I, at this point to go away from him, you know, but I just want people to kind of be level-headed. Um, and I've seen um, 
Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football. I know you probably don't get a chance to catch that, you know, over in um, in Europe. But, you know, he's been trying to be the voice of reason all week because Kyle Brandt has been suggesting that, you know, it's time for the Panthers to make a big move. And everybody kind of knows, you know, that's the that's the, the worst kept secret in football is the Panthers wanting to make a splash at quarterback. And I hope that we can. I really hope. And so for anybody listening, don't get this confused with what I want versus what I think makes sense. I want the team to get better. And if everybody in the organization believes that they need to improve the quarterback position to get better immediately, then I want that for the Panthers as well. But when I look at what our options are, if there's an opportunity to draft a guy um, rather than trade the farm for a guy, and I won't go into the details, um, but I would rather draft a guy let Teddy rock with this team for another year. And we, we probably won't suck, which isn't a bad thing as a fan, you know, that you know, we would be more competitive this year. Could be a French playoff team while having the quarterback of the future on the roster. And if Teddy doesn't play well, let's say if you draft a guy, you know, with the eighth pick or you trade up and get a guy um, and Teddy doesn't play well, then by the third or fourth game, you know, that guy is your quarterback anyway. And so I'm I'm leaning towards that, but I don't want to get too caught up in that conversation because we have another guy. Um, we talked about Dan Arnold. We kind of, you know, mixed him in there with um, – Oh, yeah, just, just what, Moore. What, one last thing with, with Dan Arnold is um, he he is a 220-pound tight end. Um, oh, so yes. yeah. while I think he is a useful addition and will be a very useful rotation piece who can stretch the field, he is probably not the guy at tight end. He's a guy who rotates in and is probably more of a more of a pass focused guy who can maybe block in space a bit as a as a run blocker. And and to be fair, he's only converted from from receiver a, a few years ago, so he could he should get better in this regard. But he's so that is that is he, that's he's he's, he's not the locked in starter playing 100 percent of the offensive snaps, which yeah, I think that, is important. That's important to note. Know. That's because that's the first thing I noted when I went to look up his profile was that he was only 220 pounds. And there are a lot of receivers in the NFL, you know, nowadays that are 215, you know, 220, he, he is, plus. He is five pounds heavier than DJ Moore and is half a foot taller. Exactly. You know, he's he sits with six, you know, which gives him a, a crazy large catch radius. Um, but he's still pretty slight of frame. And so, you know, with the Panthers using the tight end to block as much as they do, you know, you can't really see him doing that a lot. But the way he brings in terms of his ability to stretch the field, make big plays down the scene, I think, you know, he is a great, you know, addition to the tight end room. Mm, absolutely. And it, and, it, and it makes you less what I call thirsty you know, to go out and get a tight end, you know, earlier in the draft, you know, you can really still go get a guy, but now, you know, you have one guy, you know, who's a noted pass catcher. When we still have a guy that we signed this off season um, and Steven Sullivan, you know, that's somewhat of a project. I don't know what happens with him. You know, I don't know if he makes the roster, you know, in 2021, but, you know, we have Ian Thomas still in the fold. We have um, Steven Sullivan. We have Colin Thompson, I believe. Yeah. And and now we have Dan Arnold. And so I think we definitely have some tight end options um, that can do different things. And, you know, so I'm eager to see where that goes. Yeah. The, the last notable guy that we have um, signed this offseason is Rashawn Melvin. He is a, a journeyman cornerback. He's played um, for the Colts, I believe the Raiders, 
Um, the Lions. He was signed to Jacksonville, but didn't Patriots, play a lot. And he the Ravens. The Patriots and the Ravens. He's been around. Um, I, his, his best year seemed to be in 2017, I believe, or 2018 uh, for the Colts, where he, he played the most games. And, you know, he, he was a guy who who was always around the ball. I think he made a few plays on the ball. I think he had a few interceptions. Yeah, 2017, um, yeah. It was 2017 for the Colts, and then you know he's he went to the Raiders from there, and then from the Raiders he went to to Jacksonville, I believe, and then to, no, to, to, to Detroit, and then to Jacksonville. Oh, Detroit, that's it. So he went to, to the Raiders, and then he didn't stick with the Raiders, and then he went to Detroit. And he's gone. He My, played some in Detroit, Miami, Baltimore, New England, Indianapolis, Oakland, Detroit, Jacksonville, Carolina. So is it ten teams? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I read a tweet that said he played for ten teams. So those those, those are the only teams that he's actually been like on it played like been in a game for not not actually teams he's been on cam for or anything. He's he's been he's played a game for all of those teams. Oh wow! And so you know he's actually had playing times and you know for a lot of teams and a lot of cities and a lot of systems. Um, my initial thought was that he's a guy that can replace um, it was a Douglas. Yeah, I think that's know. what he does. Yeah. He's a similar frame guy. You know, he sits two, about 190. And, you know, he, he has the ability to, to, to play the ball, and he's not super fast by any means, but he is a pretty good tackler. I saw a metric out there that I think Josh Klein might have. Yeah, it was. It. Yeah, it was Josh. Yeah, yeah saying that he had a, a really good um, tackle rate, you know, compared to the cornerbacks that we had on the team last year, and um, specifically Razul Douglas. Um, and so – He's 30, 31 years old. No, he might be um, older than that. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's not he's, he's not young. He's not young. I think he's at least I think he's 31. Yeah, he'll be, um, yeah, he'll be 30, he'll be he'll be 32 during the season. Yeah. Yeah, he'll turn 32. So he's an older guy, which isn't something that this Panthers regime is noted for um acquiring. So I have to think they they like what they think he can bring to the table. Um and if nothing, you know, I don't think he's a guy that they're necessarily committed to. Um, if he needs to be cut, he will be cut. I mean, yeah. they, they got rid of Eli Apple uh, last year, you know, when yeah, he didn't no, work I, out. I, I think he, he's – I think whereas Eli Apple was more of a, like, um, a project, I think um, – I, I, I think Melvin is a – I think he's an insurance policy. I, I yeah. think they – ideally, they would have liked to have got a, a starting corner opposite um, Dante. Uh, but I think the guys who, I mean, there are still some options out there, but I think the guys who they would prioritize, that's all the, the Shaquille Griffins and the, the, the um, William Jacksons, I think the money they got, the Panthers couldn't match. And while yeah. there are still some options, you know, Richard Sherman still unsigned, there are some sort of more mid-tier guys they could go after. Um, I think they've, I think the focus for corner has mostly turned to the draft now. And I think Melvin is a, is a player who means you don't have to go and draft a cornerback. Um, yeah. But I think he's, you know, he's somebody who who probably is not going to be your your first choice starter. Um, if, if, if you know, he's someone who will come in and compete to start. I don't. I think it's an indication that they maybe aren't totally sold on Troy Pride as like a starter, uh, which I don't yeah. think is that surprising. I think he was fine as a rookie, but I don't think he played like a guy who necessarily like, yeah, this guy's the starter now. No, um, he didn't play. He, he didn't play that well. He didn't play no, well enough for me to know that he's the guy. No, 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 nothing like that. Um, so I, I think you know. I think corner will be towards the top of their to-do list for the draft. Um, I hope so. I really and, may, hope and, so. and maybe they work a guy out. Um, you know, they sign they sign someone before the draft as well. Who, who knows? But I think the 
the Melvin signing is is a we don't have to draft a corner now. Um, yeah. Kick the road to kick the can down the road to twenty twenty two potentially. But I, I yeah I think he's a solid pro. Like you know he he he's a bit like Rizal Douglas in a sense where it's like you know what you're going to get. It's not going to be that spectacular, but he can he can play like a starting cornerback. Um, not necessarily a particularly good one, but like a passable one. And if you go and draft a corner in in in, in day one or day two, then then they start. But if not, then you don't have you know you're not you're not desperately chasing a cornerback on, on on day two kind of thing. Well, it is definitely interesting, you know, going back to Scott Fitterer's you know press conference again. He definitely called out offensive line and cornerback as positions where they needed to improve at. Yeah, and like you said, I think with this free agency cycle, I think they wanted to make sure they at least had a guy, yes. you know, that could play if they needed to. And, and that's what Rashawn Melvin represents. Um, Darren Gatt, who now writes for the Panthers, um, after the signing of Rashawn Melvin said that cornerback was definitely a priority for them and that is still high on the list, you know, or something yeah. to that effect. And so, you know, I'm, I'm still bracing. I don't know how much money we actually have, you know, remaining no. in salary cap. You no, know, based on all these signings, and because I don't know the actual cap yeah, hits so, for so, some, some of them cabinets haven't been announced yet, so it's still a bit up in the air how much the Panthers yeah, have. It's still up in the air, and um, and so that said, I wouldn't be surprised if they did go after a a lower cost guy. Like there was a guy out there who I was kind of looking at, um, who um, I think he went to the Texans, Desmond King, you know, who had been an All Pro for a couple of years. Um, I, I was kind of like quietly, you know, looking to see what was going to happen with him, thinking that the Panthers may make a play, but they didn't. Um, and so Rashawn Melvin, you know, was the guy they went after. And I'm still, you know, there still are a few. They're not a lot, you know, who they could potentially target. You know, there was one name that was mentioned by by a writer, you know, of a well-known name. And I doubt if they go after this guy or that he would want to come to the East Coast and that's Richard Sherman. Yeah. I mean, he makes sense in the Panthers' defense. I'm, I'm not sure why he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he does, but I, I I think he'd have to be pretty short on offers. I don't think they have the money to go and pay him to make a particularly competitive offer. I can't imagine that someone won't make him a better offer. Um, I know. I mean, and he would definitely have to, you know, when he signed with the, with the 49ers a couple of years ago, I know that he mentioned he really liked what they had started. You know, they, they, they had been bad the year before he signed with them, but they had picked up Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, they have shown some things that I think he really wanted to get back at Seattle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's probably a major part of it as well, yeah. Yeah, I think that was a major part of it. But, you know, I was kind of hoping that he would continue to be his own agent and create some, like, incentive-laden deal, you know, the way we can sign him without being a cap a cap mess and, you know, bring him in and let him, like, earn his money through incentives. Um, and that I, would I, be... I think the only thing with those kind of things is that the Panthers aren't there yet. Like, you know, they're, know. they're not com- they're not competing for a title, and it's kind of it's very. I mean, if he signed like a vet min deal or or like you know one year two million kind of thing, then maybe it's a bit different. Yeah. But like, the issue is if you sign Richard Sherman, then Richard Sherman's starting. Period. Yeah, where, and not not just because like it's Richard Sherman, but also like he's still a very good cornerback. Um, yeah. But it, but it's like he's not going to start in a year or two. Like he he's he's a short term fix that also right. blocks a spot for a young guy to step up. Yeah. Whereas someone like Rashad Melvin is, you know, if if he gets beaten out by Troy Pride in camp, no negative thing really happens. Like, it's not it's like... It's not devastating. You know, it's not like Panthers bench Richard Sherman or, you know, Richard yeah. Sherman cut by Panthers in training camp or, you know... Yeah. You know, um, it, it, it's not an issue. 
and so also if the Panthers go out, if you if you sign Richard Sherman, you then can't go and draft a cornerback in the first round, I don't think. Um, no, you know, no it, uh, it, it wouldn't make much sense because you know that you know if, if you have Richard Sherman on your team, you have the left side of your of your secondary lockdown. Yeah, and, and the thing is, even if yeah, it also just makes it politically hard as well. Even, even if you think it's the right football decision. You know, to draft this corner, they have a the long-term answer. They give you a long-term number one corner. You know, Dante Jackson can be the number two or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah. Maybe but the one thing the... about Dante Jackson is that this is Dante Jackson's last year on the contract as well. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, the Panthers have a lot of guys entering that final year, and like, so I, I think personally, although, I think it's one of those things where I think the Panthers. So we can probably now talk about like what the Panthers should do from here. I think it's probably. We've talked yeah, quite a lot I mean, about that, it. That's, that's what I was want to get into next. Anyway. Yeah. Like, what what should we do? I think um, they. The I think the, thing, the things they have to do. I think they. I, I think they really should sign another three tech. I think that's probably the biggest thing they have to do. Okay. Um, that's why I think KK Shaw is the top of the list. I think it's the only position right now where if you if you drew up the Panthers starters, you go ah, because like okay, the the offensive line and the cornerback I think are, are the one and two needs of the draft. I, I think sensibly if the Panthers top three picks do not include at least one of an offensive linesman and a cornerback, then I'd be very surprised. And I wouldn't be shocked if they're, in fact, two of the Panthers' top three picks go on offensive line and, and cornerback in some combination. Even if we don't go out and trade for a quarterback or whatever before the draft, you think it still should be offensive line and cornerback? Um, I mean, personally, I think yes. I, I mean, evaluating quarterbacks from this distance is so hard because it, it's, you know, so much of it is stuff that they do off the field. You know, it's, yeah. it's the, you need to interview them, you need to work them out, all that kind of stuff. So if the Panthers love a quarterback, take them at eight. I'm fine with that. But I think there will still be good quarterback, good, good offensive linemen on the board in the second round. I think there will still be good cornerbacks on the board in the third round, potentially. So like yeah. cornerbacks, not as deep as offensive line in terms of day two stuff. And maybe that's a bit harder, but. Like I, I, I think if you get to the end of day two and you haven't taken at least one offensive linesman or one cornerback, I think something's gone wrong. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I agree I, with you. I, I agree I, with you with that. Yeah, I think. I mean, one, what else are you drafting? But also, like, the offensive line right now. I guess the offensive line would look something like Greg Little slash Trenton Scott slash Cam Irving at left tackle. One of those three. Whoever wins that battle, um, Pat Elfine at right guard at left guard. Paradis. Dennis Daly and um, Taylor Moten. Like, that's a fine offensive yeah. line. Like, it's not the end of the world. The sky won't fall in. However, you know, Paradis is uh, last year of his contract. Moten is the last year of his contract. That left tackle spot is very uncertain. And, you know, Pat Elfine is really not an ideal starter. Um, so, you're like, you, 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 I think you still need to add long-term pieces on the offensive line. And I yeah. think they are still a cornerback short. Um, so, I think, you know, I think... If the Panther, assuming the Panthers stay at eight, I would be shocked if they did not take one of cornerback, offensive line, or quarterback. Like I, I don't think there's really a, I don't think there's a there's a, there's another option at eight other than those three without things going an interesting direction, shall we say? Well, if we don't pick up a Richard Sherman or you know somebody in that in that ballpark, you know, in free agency for the remainder of free agency, I, I'm with you. There there are a lot of corners. Um, at the top of the board that I would love to be Panthers 
and we'll talk about them when it's time to talk about cornerbacks. I won't name them by name now. You know, I won't steal no. our feature. Time no, but, 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 but it's a position <laughs> where, like, the Panthers have a legitimate need at starter. Like, yes. right now, do the Panthers need to start? Do they need a starting running back? No. Is starting wide receiver? No. Starting tight end? Not really. Starting edge rusher? No. Starting linebacker? Not really. Starting safety? Maybe, but they're probably not going yeah. to take one top 10. And it's like, right. what does that leave? It leaves offensive line, defensive tackle, and cornerback, and quarterback. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there's a top 10 D tackle in this class. That's why I think you should go out and sign a veteran so that you could draft someone to develop on day two or three. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you're if you're looking at needs for now, I think maybe they add another running back. Like, you know, maybe it, see how things go with Mike Davis, but I don't think they've, they'd rule out bringing him back. Um I don't, maybe they bring in another blocking tight end. I don't know. Maybe someone like a, a Jeremy Sprinkle or something like that. But again, yeah. it's a maybe. Maybe they bring in a number. If, if, if the receiver class still looks really cheap, maybe you go and get your number three receiver in free agency if you can find one. Right. Um, I don't think there's, maybe, yeah, I don't think there's an offensive lineman they're going to necessarily, maybe they get like a Chris Reed back as a backup. You know, you would, there's a mixture now of, of finalizing those last few needs and adding guys for the 90 man roster to compete for the 53. So, yeah. like, Mike Davis would definitely make the 90 man, would probably make the 53. Chris Reed would definitely make the 90 man, maybe make the 53. If you yeah. go out and sign, I think you need to sign another linebacker personally, but again, someone who's definitely on the 90, but maybe not definitely on the 53. Like, it started to add depth at position so that you don't have to go and draft guys day three. So, what you don't want is like, add linebacker depth is going to be two UDFAs because we have no depth linebackers. Like, like right now, it's like Shaq Thompson, Jermaine Carter, Denzel Perryman, and then. Nobody. So Chris Moore, like yeah. you know these guys from last year. Chris yeah, who, Moore. Who, who who was just a UDFA last year kind of thing. Yeah. So so Clay Johnston. Yeah. Yeah. You probably want to you know Julian Stanford, I'd imagine would be somebody they'd look at as like a on like a one year deal or like maybe yeah. maybe a two year deal with limited yeah. guarantees. Yeah, I, I I yeah, I think it's now about adding depth. I'd say depth and a three tech are kind of where they where they, where they need. Well, I mean and, and, you know, and, and people don't realize this because, you know, the first week of free agency is the frenzy, but, you know, free agency extends, you know, pretty much for the rest of the offseason. Yeah. And, you know, there will be opportunities, you know, to do that. You know, one thing that you mentioned, you know, after the Taylor Moten franchise tag was that you hope that they didn't do that without um, thinking about signing him long term because it would be useless just to bring him back for a year at that price um, without yeah. long term. I, I, I don't think from what Matt Rule said that they expect that to happen in the immediate. I mean, maybe it does, but I think that's more something that's going to be negotiated over the summer than something they expect to happen before the draft. Yeah. And, and, and that was, you know, something that I was thinking about, you know, was now that they've franchised them, you know, would there be potential, you know, to, to work out a deal. And then if that happens, if they could work out a deal for him long-term, does that, potentially create an opportunity to to get some of that cap space back you know from the new deal yes but i think now there aren't that many ways you can spend that like i i, okay. I you know i don't think there are many places the panthers could throw a lot of money and make a big difference now at least at least yeah. long term like i don't maybe i'm wrong but i don't think there's a, a cornerback who they view as a long-term piece of this defense still available um, i don't like, think so either you know you know who's an intriguing guy you know who had a little bad PR last season. Um, and he's 29 years old. His name is um, Quentin Dunbar. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not that familiar. I mean, I know who you mean, but I don't, I, you know, I don't have a particularly strong opinion either way. 
Yes. Yeah, and, and I, I don't either. He had a really good 2019 in Washington, and Seattle traded for him last offseason to come in and be their star there across from Shaq Griffin. Yeah. Um, he's a free agent now. Um, the reason he's intriguing to me was because I know that he's somebody that Scott Fitterer would know. Um, he did end up, you know, getting off of the charges that he had last offseason. Um, and, and he started, you know, some games for Seattle. He didn't play as well in Seattle as he did in Washington. And I don't know if that was because of, you know, just the, the, the COVID impact the season, the distraction that he had, you know, from the charges that were pressed against him. You know, even though he's free from all that stuff, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't know if like his play went down because of, you know, the big move, the the new team, the new scheme, you know, the offseason distractions. He's not being talked about a lot um, in terms of options at cornerback, but I know that he's out there. He's probably thinking that he deserves a bigger market than he's actually getting because of how good he was two seasons ago. And so as the season goes on, um, it'll be interesting. I, I just bring his name up because I know that there's yeah, some no, I, connection there. I, yeah, I, I think the I think what the Panthers want to avoid is one year deals. Like I, I don't yeah. I don't think they you know Melvin is obviously a special you know Melvin is there as a stopgap. He's not there as a long term option. Whatever happens. Um, and Hassan Reddick, I don't think they could convince him to sign a multi-year deal. But I, I think they really don't want to sign one-year deals. Maybe for okay. these depth guys, they do. Maybe if they yeah. want to fill out the... You know, it's, I think it's going to be a lot of filling out the 90-man roster more than it is the 53, okay. um, barring three-tech, basically. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I think the issue is now is that whoever is left at corner is probably f- experiencing a soft enough market that they're not going to want to take a multi-year deal. Unless, yeah. unless, unless, unless it's a veteran guy, which obviously you'll end the Richard Sherman conversation about long-term versus short-term solutions. But yeah. I, I can't imagine there are many corners wanting to sign three-year deals for you know considerably less than they think they're worth. I, I, I agree with that. You know, so you know, we'll see. You know, so basically, you know, to kind of recap what we talked about today, you know, we talked about the guys who we signed, and so you know, we have Pat Elfline, Cam Irving as offensive line additions. And then we have added Denzel Perriman, you know, to the inside linebacker room. And, you know, we got Hassan Reddick as an outside linebacker slash edge player. Morgan Fox as a another defensive line rotational piece. Um, David Moore, who can compete for a wide receiver three or wide receiver four. Rashawn Melvin as an insurance um, policy at the cornerback position if we can't improve in you know, dur- you know, for the duration of free agency or in the draft, although we do anticipate that we will um, draft a cornerback you know, considerably high if we don't find one, which doesn't seem to be the case. And Dan Arnold you know, is an exciting prospect at tight end, six foot six guy, but he's also slight at 2020, uh, 220 pounds. <laughs> I said 2020, 220 pounds. And, you know, it shouldn't be looked at as, you know, a fixture, you know, as a starting tight end. So we still, you know, will probably pursue a tight end in some shape, form, or fashion. Um, we talked about, you know, what we need heading into the draft, um, you know, from free agency. You know, we need to get another three tech if we can. Um, you know, we need to get some more depth pieces. You know, like Vincent said, you know, we need to fill out that 90-man roster going to camp, you know, with competition. Um, and then kind of focus on the draft for a lot of these other positions. Yeah. Um, before we 
close today, I want to give a shout out, you know, to some of the guys that we lost, you know, the, the, the first one being Curtis Samuel, um, you know, he wasn't the first guy we lost, but, you know, probably the most notable guy because of so much discussion around him. Um, he went to, um, to familiar, um, to familiar folks with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner and in that quarterback room up at, you know, in Washington, you know, he's now playing for the Washington football team and I'll salute to Curtis for everything he did with the Panthers. Um, Manhurts went to Jacksonville. Um, that must have been a better situation for him. You know, Matt Rule talked highly about his blocking ability, his ability to play tight end. You know, Jacksonville must have liked what they saw out of him too. And he's found a new home in Jacksonville. Um, Tyler Lawson went back, went back to Ron Rivera in Washington. He went back to familiar folks as well. You know, that's something that we should expect, you know, from Ron Rivera guys. Who are still in Charlotte, you know, if they become available, you know, you should expect either them or Buffalo, as they always do, to reach out, you know, to try to get our guys. And so, you know, yeah, or the Giants, yeah, yeah, or the Giants now because of Gettleman. So, um, you know, there's a lot of connection between those two teams, and it's really cool to see, you know, how that works out for players. So, you know, for Curtis Samuel and Larson to be in Washington now, um, that's that's really cool. And then, um, Alice Armour Jr. Our fullback for the last few years is now a New Orleans Saint. And that's probably the one that I didn't like um, the most out of all of them. And not because, you know, Arm is going to be a huge loss in terms of what, you know, he did on the field. It's because he went to a division rival and you just hate seeing guys who play for you, you know, line up in a new uniform. And now, you know, you have to stop them or, you know, <laughs> or they get weaponized against you uh, in future years. But, you know, but good for Alex. Good for Larson, good for Manhurst, good for Curtis Samuel um, on, and they'll find a new destinations. And there probably will be a few more, you know, free agents, you know, that will find new homes, you know, here in the coming weeks. So um, that said, you know, it's, it's been a, a very exciting um, beginning to free agency across the NFL. And I think, you know, we started out slow this week, you know, with the offensive line acquisitions, but we got a lot better as the week went on. I could I could tell that the energy on Twitter picked up and people were starting to get a little bit more optimistic and probably went a little bit overboard with the optimism, but I do think we improved. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, Matt Rule's thing is to get 1% better. And I think the roster overall at least got. Yeah, I, I think right now, I think if you're, if you're looking at the roster right now, I think you'd go, I think that the roster kind of not tread water, but but I, I think Ooh, the Scott Federer has with him. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you cut it out for a second, JJ. Sorry, no, oh, I, okay. I, no, sorry, I, I, I um, yeah, sorry, I, I, I think where the, uh, I think the offense at the moment, the, the roster at the moment hasn't necessarily got a got a ton better, um, but importantly, it hasn't got much worse, and you've got an entire draft to get better, and you know, big things that Matt Rule did talk about is getting younger, and, and yeah. they have got a lot younger, so I think they're they're. It's more that they they're sort of similar to where they were before at the end of the year. Only they've now got the security of having guys on two year deals rather than pe you know, pending free agents, and also they have a whole draft to improve. So I think it's a, I think I think it's yeah, it's it's very much a sort of a putting yourself in a position to improve through the draft rather than necessarily looking to make leaps and bounds in free agency. If that makes sense, it does. It does. Um, that said, we took a week off from from getting into the, the actual. 2021 prospects to focus on these free agents um, between now and the next time we talk, you know, there could be a few more free agent acquisitions and we'll try to make sure that we hit those yeah. um, before getting into the next uh, position group. 
for the draft prospects. But um, it's been a pleasure talking about free agency with with everyone today. Um, hope that you learned something. I know that I've learned something about these guys in the process of preparing, you know, to have this discussion. But we're looking forward to getting back into the the actual um, rookie prospects and you know and, and preparing for the draft specifically. So that said, um, I want you all to remember to 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 rate, review, subscribe if you haven't already subscribed to um, Scouting the Culture. Um, you've already found us, but we are on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes. And if you want to interact, you know, with us about this episode, you can reach out and find me at Panthers Culture on Twitter and Vincent Richardson. So that's V Richardson 444. Is, did I get it right? Vincent? Yeah, yeah. V Richardson 444. Yeah. V, v Richardson 444 on Twitter. Um, we love having, you know, dialogue about these episodes. You know, these episodes are built to just have casual conversations about what's going on on the team, try to be as informative as possible, but mostly just want to share what we know, you know, with you all and, and to learn from you too. So uh, be sure to, to listen, um, to, to formulate some questions, send us some tweets and we'll try our best to interact with you. Vincent is on the, in a different time zone, but what that gives us is 24 hour coverage to, to give you feedback. Yeah. Um, but no, it's been a great discussion, Vincent, man. Uh, you have a great week you too, man. over across the pond and, and uh, we'll be talking next week. So to you all in the Twitter world or in the Spotify world and the iTunes world, we've got the culture. Bye.